All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to Let's Talk Live with Loretta Mary. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Today's show, he is no stranger to Loretta McNary Live. I mean, <laughs> Basketball Hall of Famer, co-founder and senior vice president of NBA's Orlando Magic, and one of America's top motivational and inspirational corporate speakers, Mr. Pat Williams has addressed employees from many of the Fortune 500 companies. He is also the author of Gift This. I can barely do two books. Over 100 books. <laughs> His most recent title is why we're here today talking, highlights the leadership secrets of the United States Military Academy at West Point. And the name of this masterpiece is Character Carved in Stone. Yes, so I have him in person and live, everybody. Welcome to Loretta McNary Live, Mr. Pat Williams. Hi, Pat. Okay, I cannot hear you. Are you? Let's see if I can get you here. Are you there? I'm right here, Loretta. How are you doing? All right, I'm doing well. I'm so excited. I have been reading this book and studying this book like, it is, you wrote this for me. I just want you to know. You wrote this book for me. I needed this book. So how have you been good. before we jump right Loretta, in? Loretta, everything's good. I'm doing well. Uh, everything's good here in Orlando. Uh, the Orlando Magic have uh, just qualified to be in the NBA playoffs this spring. So there's a lot of basketball you excitement. you have been doing it. Yeah, we, we, so we finished our season very well. And uh, this new book of mine has just come out, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. I cannot wait. So, okay, let's talk about it. What inspired you to write this book and kind of give me the background of why you decided to write this book? Well, Loretta, here's what happened. A few years ago, I was invited to go up to West Point, home of the United States Military Academy, and speak to all the uh, sports teams there at Army, men and women's teams and their coaches. And after I finished that, they gave me a tour of the campus. And as as we were touring, we ended up in a little park called Trophy Point, which looks out over the historic Hudson River. And I noticed in this park a bench, which was an unusual, a stone bench, but I looked further, and I saw more benches. In fact, there were 12 of them. And then when I looked even closer, I noticed at the end of each bench, there was a word carved into the stone. A different word in each bench. Words like courage, discipline, integrity, loyalty, trust, those kind of words. Mm-hmm. And I figured... There had to be a backstory. Well, there was a backstory, I found out. Uh, these benches were a class gift, the class of 1934, on the 50th anniversary uh, of their graduation, 1984. They presented these benches to the school as a class gift. And you might ask, what about those 12 words? Well, these men from the class of 34 had uh, served during World War II, they had served during the Korean War, and they felt that these were the 12 important words that they had learned were vital for success 
and and being a great leader that and, and, and these words had been burned into their souls and they wanted to pass them on to future classes at West Point. That was the backstory. Mm-hmm. And uh, my immediate reaction was, boy, this is a well kept secret. I uh, had never never heard of that at all, and I thought, boy, we need to tell others about this. So the publisher agreed. We decided to write a chapter on each one of the different words and then try and figure out West Point graduates who might have modeled one of those particular words and let them be the centerpiece of that particular chapter. That's what we ended up doing. Uh, the forward, well, that was written by Mike Krzyzewski, the Duke basketball coach, who yeah. is a West Point grad. He's a West Point grad, and he willingly agreed to do that. Anyway, Loretta, that's the story about this new book, Character Carved in Stone, and I'm so glad that you've had a chance to read it. I will have to read it probably 12 times to really dig in deep to the 12 um, virtues. But first, let's kind of explain, because everybody, you know, hadn't read the book. But let me tell you, this book is available now. It just recently uh, came out, but you can find it anywhere books are sold. And so what we're going to do, and I love how you even took each of the um, the characters, the virtues, and you and your chapters. I love the names of the chapters, chapters how you put four, three to four words to go along with that word to bring it even deeper into our souls. So let's kind of briefly explain what the 12 values of West Point are and make sure we emphasize that although they're for West Point, but anybody, anywhere on the face of this earth and probably (laughs) in phase two if there's somebody out there listening, if you just apply these, learn these and apply them, then you too can be a leader in that area. So let's just talk, take them one by one. And uh, we'll go through them, however you want to. Well, well, Loretta, the words on those different bench, different benches are compassion, integrity, courage, loyalty, dedication, perseverance, determination, responsibility, dignity, service, discipline, and trust. Those are the 12 words, and and these benches are to remind cadets of the qualities that lead to victory and success, not just on the battlefield, but in all of life as well. So so that's mm-hmm. uh, that's the that's the meat of the book. Uh, compassion, for example, well that means that even if you're in a a field of military leadership, it means that. You've got a heart for people. Uh, you care about pe- the people you're leading. Uh, you're interested in them. You take time to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just what not just what they can do for you, but uh, you uh, you really focus on and uh, spend time to understand your people, care about them, have empathy for them, have love for people. I think that really is what uh, what we're trying to say there with that first one. So uh, that's how we start the book. Now, there are 11 more chapters. Uh, you tell me, Loretta, how, um, how, how deeply we want to get into this. 
<laughs> okay, because I know you know you're super busy and you're doing a ton of these interviews. So we've talked, we talked, we've explained the twelve and what they are. So I'll kind of for those I don't know who does not know you, but I also want to let them know because I am thrilled not only that you are the senior VP and the co-founder of the Lando Magic, but it is. For sports fans, that's like the world. But you're also a father. You have 19 children, which blows my mind. And you are a cancer survivor. Because I don't want people to say, well, that's easy for Pat to do. He's, you know, he's right here at this level with CVP Orlando Magic. He's done all this. But Patrick, I mean, Mr. Pat has lived life. Life has happened to him and his family like it does for all of us. So I just want people to get rid of all those excuses and start doing stuff, get off the seat, you know, get in the game and play. So I was really excited about this book because you kind of like are handing us the recipe for a successful life in whatever area we're, you know, you're in. So said all of that, I want to know how did you decide which stories, because, you know, West Point is known for having amazing students and uh, alumni, but how were you able to just pick the 12? How did you decide on which stories you were going to include and which person? Well, that's a good question, Loretta, and you're right. Uh, West Point has produced a remarkable number of men and women who uh, have come through there. Uh, we tried to find the best examples we could find. For example, under that word compassion, uh, we wrote about uh, General Ulysses S. Grant, uh, the, um, the um, uh, Union general who uh, helped drive home the victory in the Civil War. Now, people might not uh, associate the word compassion with Grant. However, uh, despite his hard-driving military career, uh, we learned that he really cared deeply about his soldiers. Uh, he wanted the best for them under tough conditions. Mm-hmm. He had great compassion. He had great compassion in his family life. He had a, a wonderful marriage. A compassionate father. Listen, he he even had compassion for animals, for horses. Uh, Grant was a great horseman. Uh, mm-hmm. Had a great had a great love for horses, and in the Civil War, of course, you know, transportation was primarily on horseback. Well, one day he noticed he noticed one of his soldiers on the side of the road whipping and beating his horse, and and Grant was absolutely furious. He got off his horse and went over to that soldier and threatened him to within an inch of his life about uh, about treating horses, treating animals. Uh, he had great compassion for for all the horses that were in the war. So uh, yeah. we found we found that when you really studied Grant's life, that uh, that was a good fit uh, under that word uh, compassion, integrity. Well, we thought of General Dwight D. Eisenhower, an, another West Point grad, uh, a man who said something very interesting. He said the supreme quality for leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible, no matter whether it's on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or 
in an office. That mm-hmm. was Eisenhower's. That was Eisenhower's statement. And he was a man of integrity. There's the story told way back before the war. He was serving under uh, General MacArthur in the Philippines. The Philippine government was was very very uh, pleased and happy about our military presence there. And they wanted to do something as a thank you, so they presented uh, some of the leaders of our military with enormous sums of money. MacArthur ended up taking uh, half a million dollars. Eisenhower was offered uh, a a goodly sum of money as a gift. Uh, He declined. He said, "I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable taking the money. Right. He said, I'm... He asked, what is this for even? Why are you even giving me this money? Most people would have just taken the money. But um, I loved how he said, you know, he's just had a heart of integrity, like you said. Yeah he, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. He uh, he, he knew what, what in his judgment, what was right and what wasn't right. And he, de- he declined that uh, sizable amount of money. And back in those days, in the 1930s, you know, uh, gosh, I mean, can you imagine what a half a million dollars meant back then? Oh my I mean, goodness. that was that, that would have that would have made you a multi 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 millionaire. Yeah, today to me that's a ton of money. <laughs> so I can't even imagine, you know, in 1934 what that felt like to somebody. So yeah, yeah and in integrity, you know, wow. So those are and those so this are just is like some, a history book too. Well, Loretta, that's for sure. You're gonna come away from this book with numbers of things. First of all, you are gonna learn about history. Uh, you're mm-hmm. gonna learn about Grant and Eisenhower. You're gonna learn about General MacArthur. Uh, you're gonna learn about you know, General Omar Bradley, General Matthew Ridgway, uh, General uh, Jack Pershing. You'll learn about them. Uh, you'll learn about Mike Shashevsky under the uh, under the uh, chapter of responsibility. You'll learn ab- about Maggie Dixon, who was the women's basketball coach at West Point. Turned that program around, uh, made it a big deal. We we talked about her under determination, mm-hmm. and then of course the, the the shock on that campus when this young basketball coach died of of a heart disorder that uh, that just absolutely rocked that campus uh when I took that tour uh we visited her gravesite at the cemetery at West Point uh that was that was a very moving experience so we have a wide range of um of different people uh all from the pages of history that we have woven throughout those chapters based on that particular word uh, that that chapter features. That is so awesome. So um, which do you think of the 12 is the most difficult for leaders or even just an everyday person to kind of stick with so that they can acquire it? Well, Loretta, why don't we, uh, why don't we just pick the word responsibility? Uh, we live in an age, I think, of deflected responsibility, <laughs> yes. partic- particularly uh, among leaders. If if the decision is made and it works out, 
Oh, we hear about it. If it doesn't work out, in many cases, the leader develops a case of instant amnesia. <laughs> oh, I don't have any memory of this. Um, and, and, they, and there's a lot of finger pointing that goes on, a lot of yeah. blaming. But That selective memory, yes. Yeah, yeah, but but you're right. But but great leaders take responsibility. So he, we do feature Coach Mike Krzyzewski there. We tell the story of of Coach Mike when he was a, a plebe, a first year student at West Point. He was walking across the campus. His uniform was crisply pressed. His shoes were brilliantly shined. And an upperclassman, or maybe his roommate, stepped in a puddle of cook, and it splashed on his shoes. Oh, and now young Mike had a decision to make. Does he go back to his dorm room quickly, try and get the shoes straightened out, or to try to get to that next class without being stopped? Well, sure enough, he is stopped by an officer. Challenges him about the about these dirty shoes, and Mike's immediate reaction is, "I was just walking across the campus, and I this man stepped in a puddle of stuff and splat." Well, anyway, this officer just cut Mike off and said to him, "Here at West Point, when you are challenged, you have one of three responses: Yes, sir." No, sir, or no excuse, sir. Well, Mike said that that was a life-changing moment for him. Uh, He learned from that experience about being responsible, no matter what the situation. His, His attitude ever since was simply this. This was done well, and I did it. This was done poorly, and I did it. But in either case, I am responsible. Uh, So uh, that was an important part of uh, Mike's life. But that lesson has stayed with him all the way through his career and his life. Oh, I love it. Yes, sir. No, sir. Or no excuse, sir. That one, I I, I absolutely love that. Back in Mike's day, that those were the three. Since then, they've added a fourth. Uh, it says, I do not understand, sir. That's the fourth one they've added for, the, for this generation. I do not understand, sir. But, but uh, back in the day, it was yes, sir, no, sir, and no excuse, sir. <laughs> yeah, probably, I can probably, see why that, that there is a need. Probably a good lesson okay, for all of us. The next thing I, I adore you, Pat, is because of your faith. And you wrote some amazing books on leadership. I mean, second to none, including this one. But I love your faith. And can you talk about your personal intersection between faith and leadership and how those two work together? Because a lot of people think you got to choose, especially in the marketplace. They don't think there's a place for faith. And I do understand how sometimes it could become religion and not faith, and so it's religious, it's judgmental. But, of course, it's not, you know, your modus of operandi when it comes to faith. So can you just talk about that, how they work together? 
Well, Loretta, uh, 50, well, 51 years ago, at the age of 27, uh, while I was running a minor league baseball team in the Philadelphia Phillies organization, I was presented with the claims of Jesus Christ. And I realized that uh, even though I thought I was a Christian, a believer, I wasn't really. I wasn't. And I made a decision uh, that particular day in February of 1968 to uh, invite Christ into my life and, and become a follower of his. And as I said, that was, uh, gosh, that was 50, 50 uh, 52 years ago. And uh, that was a life-changing experience for me. So everything that I've been, I've done in my life, in sports, in family, uh, all the way through, has been based on my my Christian experience, my Christian life. In other words, uh, it, it, it it's not compartmentalized. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 mm-hmm. it, it works its way through everything that I do in life. So in the case of books, uh, when you really study this book particularly, all of these words are biblically based. You know, you can, you can go through the scriptures and you can find people in the, in the Bible. You can find out experiences or examples, things that happen where these words are all modeled. So, so on that basis, I think the spiritual end just uh, weaves its way through everything we do in life. If if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, that's what I have discovered. Uh, Christianity yeah, is not is not uh, just a Sunday morning thing. It, uh, it it's it's with us all the time. Uh, the Holy Spirit is uh, living within us to prompt us. It's almost like a beeper from heaven. You know, when there's a decision to be made, you can you can feel the Holy Spirit within saying, go forward with this, or hold up, or go ahead and speak, or you better, you better not speak here. I mean, if you're sensitive to those things, that Holy Spirit is there beeping within you, uh, telling you uh, exactly what should be done here, uh, based on your relationship with the Lord. Uh, that's how Absolutely. I've learned. Absolutely, I say it's the original GPS system. Yeah, you you hit it right on the head, right on the head. <laughs> uh, you, that's got, what I say. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. Yeah, you you've got uh, you've got that. Oh, the Holy Spirit is there. He's your beeper. It's a it's a little beep from heaven. And you you want to be alert, you want to be listening, you want to be paying attention. Uh, So when situations come up in life, uh, the Lord's going to beep you and say, go ahead with this, This or or, hold back, hold back. There's something here that isn't quite right. And um, you need to be alert and listening and paying attention because the Lord is with us all the time, Loretta. All the time, every moment, every second. And he 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 does not take a break. He doesn't take any time off. And uh, he's always there to guide and uh, direct our lives. 
so good. Okay, so you, you know, I already said how many things you do, and we hadn't even gotten to the 19 children being a husband and the 17 grandchildren. So, but I did mention in the introduction that you have written over 100 books. So along with everything else that you do, how in the world, because we stumble, people want to write books, wish they could write a book, you know, think about it. And we won't write the first book. I've started four books, I've two books. So I can't even imagine 100 books, Pat, really saying overachiever. <laughs> Tell me how that happened. Well, Loretta, this actually is my 110th book. And uh, people ask oh, how I goodness. do that. And the answer is uh, a little bit every day. Uh, you know, I'm writing um, a little bit every day. I, I use yellow legal pads. Uh, that's where I do most of my writing. Um, my research, well, it comes up, uh, to a large degree from my reading. I, I'm, I read a wide variety of, of books. I'm a bookaholic. Uh, I read five <laughs> newspapers every day. Read probably about twelve different magazines each week, uh, and read wow. them always, always looking for stories, always looking for quotes, always looking for little references. That that's um, that guy helps guides my reading, and then I I mark books, I fold the pages, or I clip and cut from magazines, keep it on file, and uh, I got a lady that types all my stuff on three by five cards. I must have several million of them, you know, uh -huh. in my, in my storage areas here, rubber bands around them by topic. So when it's time to write a book, uh, most of my research has already been done over Ooh. 40 plus, over 40 plus years. So it's not a matter of saying, I've got to write a book and I'm going to disappear for two years to get this done. No, I couldn't do that. But I can do a little piece, a little bit every day. And um, over, over time, it's going to uh, really accumulate into massive amounts of material. So I th that, that's how I go about it. Everybody writes books differently, but I, uh, that has been effective for me. Okay, so you just shared something that made a ton of sense to me, and I'm inspired now. You said a little bit every day. And as a writer, as an author, or, or an aspiring writer, that's the best advice that you could give a, an aspiring um, author. So what has been your inspiration? And haven't you said everything you need to say in a previous book? Because you're already saying you got like a million little post-it notes and cards. So they're probably another few hundred books in you since you already just shared your research and your ideas and how you get those. But what is it that drives you to want to put these books out there? I want to make an impact on other people's lives, Loretta. You know, I'm at the point in my life now, uh, I'm a, several weeks away from my 79th birthday. Uh, I want to invest back down into uh, younger generations through my speaking, through my writing, primarily, uh, people have—I've had so many mentors and people over my life that have invested in me and uh, and poured into me. I don't want to go to my grave with all that inside me, so I um, feel compelled to 
uh, not waste all that and, and get it out to others. I think that really is a driving force. Plus, uh, you know, we all have different interests and hobbies and things we like to do. People ask me all the time, well, what do you like to do? Well, I like to read. And I like to write. And I like to speak. I mean, everything I'm doing, that's what I like to do. I don't play golf. Uh, I, I'm not a fisherman. Uh, I don't collect stamps. I read and I, I write. And I uh, and you play with my... And I speak, and I play with my grandkids, and I love to take naps. Yeah. Oh, Loretta, oh, I love naps. Really? Uh, people how say, many naps do oh, you take a day and for how long? Well, I took a nap before this show for about 40, 35, 40 minutes in my chair at the office, and, uh, and I feel re- totally refreshed. And I'm going to be able now to, to go deeper into the night. You know, at home, you know, reading different books that I'm into. Um, I don't do that every day, but today I I needed that because I I was getting a little bit droopy. And uh, I took Mm -hmm. that nap, got got up about quarter of six here, and look at me, Loretta, look at me go. uh, (laughs) Look at you go, I promise you. So how do you – my mind never shuts down enough for me to even sleep at night, let's let's alone take a nap, which I know – Naps are critically important to you, your body, your functions, your brains, and all that, and sleep. So how do you, with all this going on in your mind, how do you settle in to take a nap and to sleep at night? That can help me tremendously. You just tell me the well, secret. How do you shut your mind down? Loretta, that's a great point, and I think we all struggle with that. You know, we get involved in the day, and uh, things are going on, and it's, it's I, I listen, I have that same problem. I think everybody does. You know, when it's time mm-hmm. to turn the light out, and your head's on the pillow, and all of a sudden, your your brain is just churning, you know, about this, and what went on during the day, and what you might have to do tomorrow, and, you know, oh, and it, it just, so you know what I do? I say, I, I just talk to the Lord. And I say, Lord, please, please, please quiet my brain. Please, uh, d- 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 please remove all thoughts. Help, help my mind just to be a complete blank. Mm-hmm. And I talk, I talk to him that way. And I, I say, I, I need rest, Lord. And I, and my mind is, you know, I can't, I can't be, be sleeping well if my mind is going a hundred miles an hour. And so, please shut it down. Thank you that my brain okay. is healthy, and thank that you've given me this this mind, this brain of mine. But right now, uh, please just help it to quiet down. Or if if, if, if thoughts are prayer. Lord, or a letter, or if thoughts are going through your mind that are not pure and honest and and positive, I I will just say, Lord, please, please help my thoughts to be clean. Please, please, Lord, uh, help them to be pure thoughts. P- please help my thinking. And 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 you know, within within a matter of a minute, maybe even seconds, uh, the Holy Spirit will do that. We don't spend enough time really uh, focused on the Holy Spirit, but. 
but the Holy Spirit is a person, and and that and when Jesus went to heaven, he he said, "I'm going to leave something behind that's more even more powerful than me, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I can't be everywhere, but the Holy Spirit can, and every believer has that Holy Spirit within." And I I I I'll talk, and I say, "Please, Holy Spirit, just clean my mind up, help my thoughts to be pure." I don't want to be thinking nasty thoughts or vengeful thoughts or, or thing. And and Loretta, we all struggle with thinking about things of the past. Mm-hmm. Well, th- things that might have gone on in high school. It's amazing how they just keep popping up. Lord, I don't want to be. I don't want to be thinking about that girl that you know I ditched in high school. I please remove that. Or uh, Lord, please help me remove that that moment in the baseball game when I was 18 years old and I made an error. And well, that was 40 years ago. Lord, please just mm-hmm. please remove that from me. You know, I don't want to be thinking about things of the past. Anyway, oh, those are just some thoughts. Those are just some thoughts, Loretta. But I I agree with you. We've got a, you know, we only have a limited amount of time to sleep. Let's say you want to sleep eight hours. Well, you can't. You can't spend three hours just tossing and turning in your bed. You know, with your yes. mind churning, and now now you're down to five hours of sleep. And in my case, that's not enough. It is so, not enough. Well, thank. You know what? I'm thinking. Okay, I want. Oh, my mind. I always have these ideas when I talk to you. You're such an inspiration for me. You know, personally, not just for the show. Um, I would love for you to uh, write a book on selfless leadership because you are the epitome of a selfless person. And who better to write that? And that's what leaders need. We, ha- you know, as a leader, and I think I, I, I try to be selfless and to put other people, you know, their best interests at heart and, and our end results. And then I'd love for you to write a book on the Holy Spirit and those prayers that you just talked about. Not like you don't already have a million gazillion ideas, but I just that popped into my heart. So let's talk about the 19 children and that beautiful wife of yours and those 17 grandchildren. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with how people can find you, what's next for you, and if they want to hire you as a speaker and where they can find the book. But i got to spend some time on, you know, your beautiful wife who's been supported by your side and you by her side and these 19 children, four, 14 of which you adopted. And is that correct? Yeah, I did. The, the children are all grown. Uh, 14 of our children were adopted from other countries over a 10-year period, 1983 to 1993. Uh, Right now, the youngest child is 33. The oldest is 47. So they're all adults. They're all out on their own. Uh, We have 19 and a half grandchildren. 19 and a half. We got one on the way, huh? That's right. And uh, a little boy is going to be arriving early this fall up in Boston. Uh, the grandchildren, uh, the children are scattered, uh, we, although we do have a goodly number here in Orlando. Uh, most of the grandchildren are here, although a few of them are scattered as well. Um, but we, we adopted from uh, South Korea, the Philippines, Romania, and Brazil many years ago. That was quite an experience. We got them raised. and. Now they're out there on their own as uh, young adults. Um, my wife, Ruth, uh, works for the Franklin Covey Company. She's a 
teacher. She's a speaker, uh, still traveling around the country, uh, you know, delivering uh, different topics that she teaches about. <clears throat> she's, um, I mean, she's multi, multi-talented, you know, to keep up with this <laughs> family it. and and to run run her, uh, you know, have her own career and um, look after me. Um, <laughs> keep up, uh, you know, there, there, there are many, many balls up in the air, you know, every day. Yes, and and the- R- R- Ruth is very, very gifted in that area of organization and, Order and keeping planning. She's uh, terrific at that. So uh, I would. She would have to be. So, do you, have you written any books about the parenting lessons you learn and tips that you you know you have for raising a blended or multicultural family? Have you wrote that book yet? Yes, we uh, Ruth and I wrote wrote that book a few years ago. It's called "You've Got to Be Kidding." <laughs> and, and and we wrote about our experience with this big family and lessons that we have learned about raising children, and uh, it came out of and that's the title of it. You've got to be kidding, and uh, oh, we shared uh, so much of what we have learned about about parenting and raising children and uh, so forth. So, uh, and the other thing you mentioned is speaking. I, I'm still out. On the speaking circuit, Loretta, um, people can go check things out. Um, my website is Orlando Magic Pat or, or uh, the PatWilliams.com. Excuse me, PatWilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. <laughs> and <laughs> excuse me, my email address is P Williams at Orlando Magic. Dot com, and uh, I'm I'm always love to hear from people you know that are plugged into what you're doing, Loretta. You're so awesome and amazing. Okay, so I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little about um, Orlando Magic and that fantastic season you guys are having these last few weeks. I mean, because you came to Memphis, you whipped up on the Grizzlies. No, we won in Memphis, and then we visited Orlando, and you guys whooped up on us, and you've been whooping up on people ever since I've been keeping in touch with what you're doing, and you just got invited, you said, to that next level of championship with, with it. So how are you feeling about all of that? Well, we've had quite a run here towards the end of the season. We uh, mm-hmm. made the playoffs with our win on Sunday night. Uh, the regular season still has two games left tonight and tomorrow, but we're in. We don't know yet who we're going to play. Uh, that'll all be determined about uh, determined by what happens tonight and tomorrow in the NBA. But uh, <clears throat> there's great excitement here in the city. Uh, we haven't been in the playoffs, I guess, for six years, six, seven years. So uh, the town is uh, quite pumped up uh, about the fact that we're in the playoffs. And uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, once 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 we're in, we can have a good run here, and uh, we'll find out who we play uh, sometime Wednesday evening after all the regular season games are finished. 
Oh, my goodness. So I'm just happy, happy, happy because I love them because you recruited one of my sons, Brandon, who um, he's in heaven, but he was a huge Orlando Magic, Shaquille O'Neal fan. Anytime they came to Memphis, I had to save up to take him and his brothers there because there was no letting Shaquille O'Neal and Orlando Magic be close to my son, Brandon. And not when I say he was a fanatical about Orlando Magic, he was, I just couldn't understand. He was just a teenager. So I I adore Orlando Magic. Of course, I'm a grizzly girl because, I'm, you know, that's a home team. But I have been a fan of yours, oh, my goodness, probably 30, 40 years. Did you know that? I did Your not team, know yeah. Loretta, but, but thank you. I'm so <laughs> glad. we we're, we're just finishing our 30th season as a team. We started as an expansion team, and, We've just finished mm-hmm. our thirtieth season here, so um, it's I been quite it a run. Thirty yeah. mm-hmm, thirty years, yeah. Because Brandon is, you know, I'm telling my age now, but he's been loving them since he was a teen. So yeah, it's been about twenty five years that mm-hmm. we've been fans, at least. And so I'm just really proud of the season that you're having since we did. You know, I, I still love Orlando Magic. And, of course, I'm a huge fan of yours. If you're ever near Memphis, you got to let me know. I would just – my bucket list is to interview you in person for my TV show. And I told Andrew that I just – your story has to be told more. I know you've been on big shows like the CBS This Morning, Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, all those amazing shows. But you always find time to spend with me and my audience, and that means the world to me. I just want you to know that. Thank you, Loretta. I'm glad, so glad we could hook up and have a nice chat here. And uh, I love to visit Memphis. There's so much to see there and so much to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, yes. I'm a big fan <laughs> of Memphis. Uh, I've, been, I've been to Graceland. I've been to the Civil Rights Museum. I've uh, trace the path of Dr. King. I've eaten your barbecue. I've been to your nice arena. I've been to the uh, the, uh, the very very attractive uh, baseball do- field. I've I've, yeah, I've seen I the ducks. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the ducks walking across the hotel. <clears throat> oh yes, I've seen those ducks. And well, when uh, you come so next I've... time, we're going to make you a duck master. How about that? Oh, I'd love it. I'd be so honored. Yeah, so, you don't um, have to be Doug Master. That sounds great, Loretta. Thanks a million for thinking of me. You're so awesome. I know i got to let you go, but I want to tell you that I'm so proud to have my interviews. I don't take it lightly that you spend this time with me and my audience. It means everything. can't wait to the next book so we can do this again. And I'm going to read this book again because, like I said, it's more than just leadership, which is critically important to every person regardless because we're all leading somebody and but the history lesson is so rich that I recommend this book to anybody whether you want to be a leader you just want to know about a, a good history or just need some inspiration everybody check out character carved in stone the 12 core virtues of West Point that build leaders Leaders and success. You cannot lose if you just follow all of this information. So, Mr. Williams, thank you so much. Godspeed to you. Uh, continue blessings and happy 79th birthday to you. And tell Ms. Ruth we said hello. I will, Loretta. Thanks a million. Take care. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Loretta McNary Live podcast. And this podcast will be available on other platforms, um, wherever you get your podcasting from. We'll make sure that we send out that information for you. Appreciate the time that you share with us. As all in always, you know, always in closing, I love to say, think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way, and we'll see you. Very, very soon, everybody. Bye-bye. Excuse me, may I ask you something? Yes, you. When, if ever, have you taken a tour of Memphis? Yes, Memphis, that's right. Perhaps you've lived here all your life, or maybe you're a transplant and haven't had a chance to really see the city that you now call home. Either way, I'd like to invite you to do just that. Come and embark on a journey to remember. It's a tour of possibilities, an African-American history tour of Memphis. We offer regularly scheduled tours, and we can be flexible and customize a tour for you. The possibilities are endless. For reservations and more information, please visit our website at atopmemphis.com or call 901.